Welcome back to Happy Porch Radio, the podcast for ambitious agency leaders. This season is all about Umbraco, the friendly CMS. Join your host, Barry O'Kane, as he talks to web agency leaders and Umbraco experts about the challenges and opportunities that a specific technology like Umbraco brings to our agencies. In this episode of Happy Porch Radio, we get to hear from two agencies from very different parts of the world share two stories with a great many parallels. I hear similar stories a lot from agencies, those that have been around long enough, back in what feels to me like those heady Wild West days of the late 90s and early 2000s. Many agencies were building custom CMS-like functionality as the great platforms like Umbraco didn't exist back then or were just not viable options. Many of us, including me, built solid businesses alongside creating our own CMS products as well. But times change, and for most agencies, that just isn't a sensible route today. So both of these agencies have been around for, in internet terms, a really long time, and both have transitioned from their own CMS platform to using Umbraco. And they kindly agreed to share their stories with us. First, let's meet Steve Matthew from Fireworks Agency in South Africa. Well, my name's Steve, Steve Matthew, and I'm the Managing Director for a company here in Cape Town, South Africa, called Fireworks, with bad spelling, as I've been told by many of our clients. It's Firework with an X on the end, and I guess that all goes back to those early days of trying to get the right domain name you wanted. And I suppose the story really starts there. It was in 1999 when I started Fireworks, so we're in our 18th year, and I was sitting at the relatively well-known waterfront at Cape Town at the foot of Table Mountain and I was watching a a fireworks exhibition and I was thinking about what to do next with my career. I'd come from a tech background, engineering background. Sitting there looking at this fireworks exhibition, I, I suddenly became aware that actually that was a brilliant metaphor for the time that we were in. In 1999, Google had just started The internet was doing weird and wonderful things. There was flash all over the show, not a lot of substance, you might remember. And I'd come out of a corporate gig, and I had been noticing a trend where these corporates had to use a technical agency for the engineering part of their solution. They would go to a design or an advertising agency for the design side or what we now know as UX. And they were going to the, the consultancies, the Accentures in the world for a kind of a, okay, so what should we be doing? And it was full of buzzwords and there was B2B and B2C and all of those crazy times when acronyms were ruling. And it just occurred to me sitting looking at this fireworks exhibition that actually for the most part, most people watching this were completely caught up with the show. They didn't notice the techies who were running around with cables, plugging in the audio, trying to make it sound decent. And I sort of followed the, the engineering back upstream. And, and upstream to me was somewhere in a factory in, in Shanghai or somewhere where a bunch of guys who were really doing tech, they were mixing up the right stuff, making the fireworks do all the right things at all the right times with all the right colors and so on. And I kind of thought, yeah, there's the engineering but actually, on the most part, most people really don't give a hoot. I mean, they just, they're caught up with the show. They want to see what the experience is like and so on. And this is obvious now, but I mean, in 1999, that wasn't so obvious. And for me, it was quite an epiphany, and hence the name Fireworks, and, and I suppose the coming together in my mind of three 
disciplines that I felt had to be in one agency at one time. And I think that's pretty much what we've tried to stay true to all this time. We've tried to keep a bunch of guys who like to think about the strategy, the how, the why, and, and so on, and consult with our clients around what is best from a digital perspective. And we've got some engineers who come out of university and wherever, and they've got computer science degrees. And we've got a bunch of guys who come out of art school who really care about pixels and, and user experience and so on. And we've tried to keep those three in one agency all this time. And it, and it is a challenging juggle. And I think more to why Umbraco, when we get there, these three things play a critical role, these three kinds of people. And I think there are more, obviously, but they all need to have a say in what are the tools that we decide to use when we build a solution for someone. So, yeah, that's where we started. As I say, we're now in our 18th year, which is almost an eternity in it when it comes to digital agencies. I don't think there are too many around that are that old. Certainly in our part of the world, there are very few of us this old. So, yeah, we must have been doing something right all this time. I hope to think we are doing a few good things right. Awesome. Yeah, that's a really cool origin story. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about how you ended up with Umbraco. So obviously in the early days in 99 and 2000, you wouldn't have had, you know, it was a very different environment then. Most agencies were doing their own custom CMS type tooling and stuff. Is that where you started as well? Exactly, yeah. Our first client that, that wanted a CMS, I wasn't even sure why they wanted it. And I had to kind of scratch around and think, why would they want to do that? Why, why didn't they ask us to just update, you know, the content on their site and so on? And I kind of had a sneaky feeling they were trying to take work away from us <laughs> until I realized actually that's not the sort of work we, we like to do and want to do and know anything about you know why are we getting involved in in content when it's really not our baby we ended up building a CMS and it was called producer we sold it to a number of pretty large companies here in South Africa Vodacom which is a Vodafone subsidiary made use of it Old Mutual in South Africa made use of it they're listed on the London Stock Exchange at pretty Big company. So we, quite a few people used it because there really wasn't much around. And it was very rough in its initial days and then became more and more sophisticated. And eventually we had, you know, one or two guys full time developing on it from our side. And as an agency, it kind of gave us a, a revenue stream, I suppose. We could sell it and get some license fees out of it. And if so, of course, you get onto the trap of thinking you're either a product shop or you're not a product shop. And I think that's either in your DNA or it isn't. And we carried on with this for many years and we, every now and again, were presented with other CMSs that we had to make use of, which popped out of the woodwork and some pretty good ones along the way and we learned from them. But the one thing that our agency has always been true to is that we, we focused on a corporate market. All our clients were large enterprises, large corporates here in South Africa and some abroad. And without fail, they pretty much always wanted to be on a Microsoft stack. Some of them had Oracle here and there, but you know, if they had Oracle, they certainly had Microsoft. And so when it came to choosing CMSs, you were kind of left early days with .NET Nuke, which was pretty horrendous, and a few others. And yeah, we always kind of went back to our own one and kind of propped it up more with newer and newer technology. But it's an expensive exercise building and maintaining your own CMS. So a new developer we hired came into the business and he said, have you seen Umbraco? And I actually hadn't seen it at all. And so we looked at it straight away. We implemented it on a test project. Everybody in our business really liked it immediately. This was in 2008. 
it's been nine years that we've been using it and Braco has seen its best and its worst and, and I think now it's in a really good space. We sort of onboarded it and I think there were a few big light mole moments for us. The one was when I kind of said, almost without thinking, I think this thing needs to pass three tests before we sort of thrust this on our clients. Because to some degree, there are, some of them dictate to us what CMSs they would want to use. But on the whole, they always look to us to saying, well, what do you recommend? So we need to be very, very careful when we recommend something. It could kind of bite us later on. And so the three tests that I sort of threw out there were, in the first case, it didn't even need to be open source. The fact that it was, was a potential benefit, although sometimes we found clients were a bit nervous because they kind of imagined this was very similar to the rest of the open source products that were in the marketplace. And I had to always explain to them, yes, it's a private company that has open sourced their software as opposed to a complete community-driven product. And I think and I think you get a very different quality of product as a result. Certainly that's from our experience. So the, the three tests were, it had to make our developers' lives easier. They mustn't feel trapped and entangled in a CMS, something like .NET Duke back then, you know. Secondly, the, our front-end developers also wanted to continue using the tools that they wanted to use. They didn't feel they wanted to sit inside an interface of a CMS and code up, do the front-end coding through an, a CMS interface, like a lot of the CMSs were forcing on us at the time. They, they wanted to use all the tools they were currently using if they were building a standalone web application. And thirdly, it was the clients. I said, if we can take this to our clients and show them, and in a way, the real test is how long is the training needed? And if people sort of got it in an hour or so, then I kind of thought, well, we've got a winner. And in a way, that's exactly what happened. Braco came into our studio, first on a trial project, then on a bigger one. And more and more and more, our clients started saying, we like this thing. It's really clean. The interface makes sense. Even back then, it was pretty clean and tidy compared to most things around. And our developers carried on working with Visual Studio. They dev to what they wanted to do. Sure, they had to learn things like Razor and had to learn things which they didn't know yet, but they felt they could still build their user controls and so on, using all the tools that they're accustomed to use and sort of lean on the Braco infrastructure where where they wanted to. So, yeah, it's really, that's been our story. Um, it's proven itself. We've rolled out some pretty big implementations here in South Africa and, and abroad. And to be honest, I don't think it's ever let us down. I mean, there, there are times when Braco went on a bit of a tangent, I think two versions back and then had to pivot back on track again and I think all of us had a little bit of damage with that but compared to all the upside it's just chalk and cheese. Would you still use those three gauges or tests now when you're thinking so now you've been using Umbraco for a long time you've built up a lot of expertise and some presence with Umbraco do you still feel that those three things are what you would measure and how you would decide for example if Umbraco was still meeting your needs? To some degree yes they are a bit simplistic I will admit that I just sort of threw them out one day and they're kind of stuck. If I were to add to those metrics, I think there are other things which we bump into. Certainly if we're pitching Umbraco up against something else, we've had a project or two where an organization has an existing CMS that they're tied to. And then we just sort of ask questions like, how's it going? And, you know, where are the struggles and so on? And what are you challenged with? And, and inevitably we hear what the other CMSs are struggling with quite quickly because the developers, I mean, they're always quick to tell you what's wrong with the platform. And so as a result, we found other measures now. For example, you know, does it scale? Whose CMS is it? I mean, a lot of times people say, I've never heard of it. You know, 
what about something like SharePoint? We've heard of that. And then I have to sort of go back to, well, actually SharePoint's, in my opinion, not really a web CMS. It's a collaboration tool first and foremost, and now with Microsoft's new decision to almost keep it like that and move away from web CMS, I think that's been quite telling. Does it scale? Never heard of it. And you say, well, there's 400,000 installations of Embraco out there. I think that's pretty significant. And then they go like, well, who? And then I mentioned a couple of the big players who are using it globally, pointing out that Microsoft's own ASP.NET site was running on Embraco. And then I think that helps to allay some of the concerns, particularly in an enterprise, when they're choosing something they maybe haven't heard of. So scalability is important. Support is important. I think some once in our history, a large um, short-term insurer here in South Africa, I think the largest one, was using Embraco with, through us. And they just wanted a... Who do they call if things really go pear-shaped? And so they went and bought a, an SLA package with Embraco, I think, for their first year to kind of get that direct support line from Embraco HQ. And I think that was just more like insurance that should fireworks not meet their needs or satisfy you know, some issue they're having, they had a sort of backdoor to get to the right guys. And, and I think to a large degree, that's what corporates are after. Who do I phone when I want something fixed or sorted out? And and I think that's one of Umbraco's secret weapons is they do have that as opposed to some of the other open source or similar kinds of CMSs out there. So I'd like to circle back to something you were saying when you were talking about the types of clients you work with and that you mostly look at corporate or larger types of clients, asking them questions and trying to understand their issues. And I think in that case, you were specifically talking about other CMSs. But I'm interested if you have a particular challenge or a particular approach or find it very easy or difficult to present Umbraco to those types of clients and whether Umbraco is like a fundamental part of that or how does that conversation going considering that as time goes on clients and everybody becomes more and more tech savvy and more and more aware of the options and the tools and so on. I suppose that's almost where we start our conversations quite often if it is a CMS build project that or focused around CMS. Sometimes we sort of squeeze CMS into a broader web application and then we find that the clients that we work with are less picky because they don't see it as a core thing. But when we roll out these big sites and content management is a big topic and usually you've got people from different parts of the business, from corporate, from marketing, from IT, from all over, everybody's got an opinion about a CMS. There might even be a global standard that has been foisted on them by someone. Kind of, I mean, there's a few angles I take. The one is, so what have you got right now and why did you choose it and how's it going? And, and inevitably, they're happy to get rid of it. So that's normally easy. Then, then come the techies who say, but who are these guys? You know, where do they fit on the Gartner kind of graph? And, and then I've got to go down the whole Microsoft alignment angle. And usually quite quickly, that goes away. Sometimes you've got to give them stuff around scaling and security and bits and pieces. Normally they're then pretty well satisfied, particularly when they start seeing other big corporates or brands using it. So I think that's critical to Embraco. I mean, if they didn't have some of the big big names as their case studies, it would be harder for us flying their flag if they didn't keep landing well-known global brands using the CMS. And then I suppose the last one, which I haul out as a kind of a joker up my sleeve, I go... So if you're going to buy one of the others, and I won't mention names, but if you're going to buy one of the other big ticket CMS items or products, you're going to be paying for license fees. Every million rand or 
million dollar that you spend on licensing and license fees for across your servers and all the rest is a million less that you can spend on building the product or solution that you want. And that kind of goes home because usually there's a defined budget for rolling out a new website or web application of some kind. It just clinches the deal usually because actually it's free and every cent can be spent on, on the design and the development of the application, not on license fees. So that normally nails it home quickly. Looking forward for for you and for your agency with Embraco in mind, where do you see the opportunities and also where do you see the challenges? So I, I suppose I'll start with the challenges and maybe this is a generic challenge as opposed to specific Embraco. So in South Africa, we have some really, really good technical skills and have produced some pretty good stuff over the last few decades. But still, we do have a technical skills shortage. I mean, there is hundreds of thousands of software developer positions. And so in a way, it's created a good marketplace for people who do have skills. But that's our challenge. And when it comes to Embraco specific, it's even more challenging. So we're continuously bringing people into our business. Inevitably, they've not worked with Embraco before. We train them up. We push them into a project. They work with us for a number of years. Maybe they get poached by another agency and off they go. And and they take Embraco kind of with them as they go. And, And I think most of the guys that have been through us have kept it alive in their next gig. But that's our biggest challenge is skill and the Braca skills particularly. We don't have in South Africa a certified training agency for Embraco. So a couple of years ago, the Embraco guy sent somebody out here from Australia and our company and one other agency here in South Africa also uses Embraco, sent guys on it and we all got certified. But that's it. it it's, it's very difficult for us here to get the certification. It's, it's costly for us to send someone overseas to UK or, or Europe. It's a lot of time out of the business. So that's our big challenge to get Embraco skills. So we're pretty much rolling our own. We're training guys up ourselves. We, when we recruit somebody, we know that we're going to throw them into a month or more of, of training purely on Embraco. That's just something we're going to have to grit our teeth and that's our challenge down south. I think Every now and again, um, we've got a few employment agencies who look for guys for us. And they're so excited. Like, email me. Hey, Steve, we found an Embraco guy. Do you want to interview him? <laughs> of course. You know, send him over. We'll hire him. I haven't seen his CV yet. So, yeah, I guess that's our big challenge is the skills. But the plus side to that, and there always is one, I suppose, is that it's quick to learn. If you're, if you're a good skill developer, you know, there's such a lot of material online. Even the forums are pretty good these days. So guys get help quickly and they can be self-sufficient in no time. So I think that's our biggest challenge. I don't even think the challenge of trying to convince the corporates and enterprises to convert. I think I think that story is quite compelling. And I think we've only had one case where we weren't able to convince somebody that Embraco was the way to go. But yeah, in terms of the opportunities side of your question, I think keep doing what we're doing and flying the flag for Embraco. I think there are enough corporates who still very heavily invested in the Microsoft stack and will stay there. You know, the smaller startups and so on, they tend to use other platforms and are less Microsoft focused, although that does also change. So the opportunities for us are in the corporate space. And something we've been seeing now in the last few months is our phones have been ringing from largely UK, but also some European agencies who are looking to farm out their Embraco development to us. Uh, the pound to rand 
exchange rate is very favorable for you guys. And so we can throw a lot of skill at a budget. And I think that's quite compelling. And I, and I think for many European and, and British organizations, it's quite pleasing to deal with a South African company. We're in the same time zone, pretty much. And we culturally not that different. And the language is great. You can have Skype calls like this or face-to-face meetings and the conversation just goes a lot easier rather than some of the challenges they've had with farming work to Eastern Europe and, and to India and so on. Certainly that's been our experience is that people have struggled with that and looking to South Africa and particularly Cape Town as, as an alternative. So we're, we're seeing a lot of growth in that area. Of course, now the challenge for us will be to kind of go and backfill those skills so we can keep supplying. But I think that's our big opportunity. There's a huge car rental company that's looking to port all of their portals onto Embraco off another CMS right now. That would be a massive project and they've come to us for getting that job done. So I think there are opportunities come and find us. What you're describing there as well is the Embraco specific, the specialist part of it, like they're finding you because they're looking specifically for Embraco. Is that what you what you mean? And you guys have been around and you know have a presence and a reputation and so on? That's right, exactly, yeah. So I think having a, a listing on, on the Embraco site, my name is there and we're only one of a handful here in, in Africa. So people notice that and, and our phone rings. If it's the technical skills they're after and they're really clear what they want already, you're quite far down the line in terms of the decision that they've made to choose it as a platform. So you're not having to try and convince anybody. You're just saying, let's look at your functional spec or your requirement spec and let's roll us leaves up and start, you know. And we do have that reputation as South Africans to kind of just dive in and we're not afraid to work hard and be multi-skilled and get the job done. So I think those, those reputations really help us a lot and it's really great when, when you're being contacted as opposed to, you know, trying to knock on doors to convince people. We never do that, actually. Yeah, which is nice. If you want to find out more or reach out to Steve and Fireworks, check out fireworks.com. That's fireworks ending with a K and an X. Steve Matthew, that's Matthew with one T and no S, which he tells me is the Welsh version of Matthew, can also be reached on the usual social media channels. Next up is another Steve from Raid Digital in England. My name is Steve Rook. I'm the head of digital at Raid. We were set up in 1996 when the internet was a real black art and a bit of a mystery to most people, I think. We started using uh, or we started creating our own proprietary content management systems because there was nothing else around. You know, as you can imagine, 21 years ago, you know, the, the internet has evolved hugely since then and kind of almost goes on a six month cycle as it stands at the moment. So this is way before content management systems. And obviously we had clients that wanted to change content on their own systems and, and running business systems and so on. So we started creating our own and that was in uh, all classic ASP. So we're going back some time at that point. <laughs> I started in 99. So yeah, it's pretty cool to think about back in the dark ages as you think about it. <laughs> well, yeah, and it, and it really is the dark ages in terms of the internet, isn't it? I mean, it's changed, just changed hugely in the, in that amount of small part, you know, period of time, really. It's just changing enormously. So tell me a little bit about your agency. Why did it start? Where did it start? And what's the journey been like over the 20 years since then? 
Well, I've been here just coming up to seven years. We started attracting some really sort of, you know, quite large clients. And there was a there was a desire really for people to get involved in trying to put stuff up in, onto the internet. And you've got, you've got to remember this is way before um, this ease of use of content management systems and being able to just go and get your own hosting packages and stuff like that, Googling stuff and, and just getting results. It's, this is way before all of that time. So there was a demand there for us to put stuff together digitally and a lot of that was magazines and so on at the beginning and then that developed into business systems and it was really at that stage you know we would like our business system to do this do you think that you could build it so rather than looking at, at uh, content management systems the way they are now you know which is the functionality includes the following we didn't have any of that at that point so we needed um, you know very highly developed highly skilled operators to actually build something completely from scratch to fulfill a business requirement. Since then, of course, our clientele has changed to a certain degree. Certainly our clientele's requirements have changed considerably since then. And we've started to kind of, you know, all conform into this format of content management systems, which are hopefully extendable. And there seems to be a very general set of rules that everybody is playing by in terms of a content management system. You know, you can set up a homepage, you can set up navigation and, and bits and pieces like this. So, you know, that all that functionality comes out of the box. And it means that, you know, small companies, and, it, and I'm not knocking it at all because it's, it makes it very accessible to, you know, like a, a, a sole trader plumber who would just wants an, an online presence so that somebody can contact him. It, it's just a little shop window. So, but that's not really where RAID is positioning itself. RAID positions itself at sort of, you know, higher end, sort of, you know, the mid 40, 50K up, really, and actually delivering solutions rather than just a, a, a web presence, I suppose. Is that something that the agency's always done, or is that something as the agency's matured or whatever has grown into? No, I think that's something that we've developed as we've gone along. We used to do a lot of work for um, a huge, great big uh, retail company. And again, this was before e-commerce systems existed. So, and and they they needed a way of having one an online presence, but two and also an online shop. And we actually developed it. I mean, and it's a huge. I mean, it's an absolute beast of a system, which you know, whereby they could sell cheap toys on the internet. It, it, you know, it's, it's crazy. But I mean, you know, it's a multi-million-pound business, and all of that needed to be integrated with uh, ERP that was that was in-house that was dealing with all of their stock and you know, all of their orders and stuff like that. There's a big system called Maginus. They were running their entire warehouse and everything all off of Maginus. And of course, our front end needed to speak to their their Maginus system so they knew exactly what they had in terms of stock. And gradually over time, you know, as, as marketing involves, they started to put together coupon codes and they wanted to start putting together deals, you know, selling for three for two and you know, all the stuff that we take very, very much for granted now you know, we had to build all of that from scratch. So it's, you know, it's a big beast to do. Then along comes, you know, the likes of Shopify, Magento and stuff like that, which makes really dealing with contents and promotions and, and offers and design and so on very, very easy. What tools and what kind of tools do, do you use at Red today and like the modern or the up-to-date era? Essentially, all we're doing now is, is when we first started, we built a proprietary system in Classic ASP. We then, you know, .NET, 
dropped in our laps and we thought well you know this is this is good you know it's less code and it's easier to do and so on and so on so we we built another content management system which we started to migrate over time all of our clients onto i mean it's a very very clever system but of course the issue comes i suppose is as the rate of functionality and features and so on that the internet provides changes and or, or accelerates i suppose probably is a better word you know you need a bank of developers to sit on there and and make sure that the software is up to date it's secure it's solid but as simple things like you know sort of putting in google tag manager and stuff like that and open graph you know we needed to to sit down and actually kind of develop something to do with that and then roll that into our what was called our asm system enterprise site manager which was our proprietary system the reason that we kind of got that, that reached the end of its life and we'd started looking around at all sorts of different open source systems because clients became a little bit more wary then of starting to use, you know, or launching their site with a proprietary system. Who owns the code? You know, who owns this? Who owns it? You know, so you have all of these intellectual property issues over if raid goes down for example god forbid or you know we have a falling out with the client who actually owns which part you know and and does raid actually at that point have the right to hit the big red switch in the corner which turns their site off what's the legal standpoint from that point of view so we started looking around at open source systems wordpress we'd never really considered because for two reasons really one is php which doesn't naturally fall into our lap because we're we're net people and secondly you know we we'd heard a few sort of you know scaremongery stories around wordpress not from the point of view of wordpress but more from the point of view that anything that you needed to do with it or anything you wanted to do with it you had to get a plug-in and every time you get a plug-in there's potentially a security breach our technical director is absolutely you know belt and braces shackles the whole lot in terms of our client data and and quite rightly so the whole thing behind wordpress was the fact that we were just having to use plugins now i mean i know that there are developers around who will just not use plugins you know they will custom build from the ground up so wordpress itself actually isn't isn't the issue it's all the plugins now WordPress, as you probably well know, you know, gets regularly updated and, and that's great. But then the plugins have got to stay in step. So if you automatically upgrade WordPress, you know, then the plugins have got to stay in step with that. And if the plugins aren't quick enough to stay in step, then potentially that can break the site. And it just brought about some real sort of, you know, horror stories really from our or thoughts from, from our side. So we started looking around for .NET systems and we kind of fell on Umbraco. And I think that really our technical director kind of met that head on with some reticence to a degree. I think one, because he was fairly, you know, you take it as a bit of a personal front that the company is no longer using your little baby to run out, you know, content management systems any longer. But also the fact that it was a, it was a change to the norm. So it's something that, that he would have to relearn. All of our apps and everything that we build were also being used, you know, we, we were still using our ASM system to provide all the admin area and everything for all of our apps so you know it it was a heavy duty tool that we were using at the time the great thing about umbraco is the fact that it's dotnet mvc so you know that falls naturally into our laps and actually by the time our technical director and a couple of the developers here had had a look at it, it it became a very very simple tool for us to use it satisfied the ip issue in terms of you know, client open source, you know, who actually, who actually owns the intellectual property on it. It also, we're not being pushed into using templates or anything like that because we design each site, 
individually it's there to do a purpose and people don't want a template you know if they're going to spend 30 grand on a site they don't want a template that potentially you know the guy down the road is also used it's popular you know and there's been 1500 downloads of it in the last two weeks and you know so on and so on so and of course the last thing is the is the fact that you know wordpress was set up as a blog system which has then kind of been distorted i suppose out of context really to be used as a content management system and, and whilst that works to a, to a greater or lesser degree umbraco gave us the opportunity to build on a system which has been specifically designed as, as a content management system from the ground up there's very little in the way of plugins so whilst your sole trader plumber can set up a WordPress site and get everything up and doing. You know, obviously with an Umbraco, you you do need you know minimum a front end developer, if not a back end developer as well, to to go through and do stuff. But from our point of view, you know, it fell really right into our laps. I think at that stage, and of course it's you know so well supported, and and there's a lot of very skillful developers that are contributing to to all of that so the security of it is never really at risk from our angle and it's con- constantly being developed well you know i don't have a bank of 2000 developers to continue you know pushing our esm system forward you know and plus i would have to pay all of those anyway so why not use a, a whole bank of developers from around the world that are contributing all sorts of different great stuff into this system which you know we benefit from what was that transition like, or is it still ongoing? What's that to moving from the custom system, uh, both in terms of moving existing clients over and internally, or the way that it did it have an impact or a change of the culture of the of the agency? Yes, I suppose, but only to a small degree, because with a, a fairly young bank of developers, you know, they were all very very keen to kind of you know move or to redevelop their .NET skills, you know, to include MVC. You know, I don't think that's a huge step change there, really. But it puts a lot more power into the developers' hands, I suppose, and a lot more speed just in terms of creating forms and stuff like that even. You know, I can now do those from the admin area. I, I, I can't write a single line of code. So, of course, the the service to the customer is much better. It's, it's speedier and it's less costly for them. It is still ongoing. I mean, we've been using Umbraco now for um, probably two and a half, three years, I suppose. And we're gradually moving our existing customers that are on our old ESM system onto Umbraco as we kind of go along. So this is not something that we've really forced on any of our customers, but you know, naturally when the site comes up for redesign or they want to build you know, a whole raft of new functionality, that would be the time for us to look at replatforming. And has that had an impact? From my experience, it's certainly of custom CMSs back in the day, removing or simplifying or, or reducing that maintenance burden on, as you say, being able to utilize the platform that's there and move, share resources between projects a bit more. Did that have an impact on, like, on the agency or is it having an impact in terms of resources and the kinds of things, space that people have to work on? Yes, I think that, I think Umbraco probably just gives the client more space to be able to do stuff, more flexibility. It also means that, you know, account managers and, and kind of, you know, admin people here, really, I suppose, that are more client-facing rather than developers are also able to do a lot more in the admin system. So, as I previously said, you know, if, if the client phones and, and wants to do a small change, there's every chance that, a you know, an admin person will be able to do that for them, which, you know, is a lot quicker. They don't receive a bill. You know, the goodwill is there and, and they know that they can just ring us and, and get a result. From the development side, I think the development side is quicker probably with Umbraco 
or it's kind of you know half and half now i mean you've got to remember that our asm system we knew that absolutely inside out we'd written that from the ground up so you know we had developers that were involved in that whole process from from the outset so they knew that absolutely inside and out so there are obviously little bits that they pop over in umbraco and think mm, okay i've just got to think about how i'm going to do this but to a half decent .NET developer, you know, it's not really a big, you know, shouldn't really present a huge issue, really. But the step change here has been, you know, it, it's been slow from the point of view that we didn't just suddenly move all of our ESM clients over onto Umbraco, kind of, you know, overnight or, you know, over a fortnight. It's going through, you know, if there's no need to replatform, there's no need to replatform, and until the point where they either want some massive feature changes, functionality changes, or a complete redesign, and where we've got to completely rebuild the front end, there's absolutely no reason to replatform them. But of course, when they do do that, then we will take the opportunity to actually put them onto, you know, Umbraco and give them a whole new back end as well. But generally, I have to say that experience has been very, very well received. Because you're not forcing something on them, you're kind of taking the opportunity to add value or to make it better. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So it's a benefit rather than a stumbling block. What are the challenges or the difficulties that you're experiencing with as you use Umbraco and particularly as you, as you say, replatform people to, to Umbraco as a new base? From my point of view, I don't see any challenges at all because I have a team of very good developers that, that can kind of, you know, get their teeth into it and, and who are enthusiastic about it. There will always be challenges that are set to us by the, by the client, but because we're used to building systems, because we're used to building our own content management system, you know, they provided the budget is there, we can perform miracles, provided you've got the budget and you've got the time space in which to build it and test it thoroughly. The challenge just, you know, is kind of laid down in front of people and, and they just crack on and get on with it. So everything that I've come across with Embraco has been very, very, it's the path of least resistance, really. It's, you know, it's been very good and very well received. How do those conversations come about? How do you, are you involved in pitches? How do you grow the business and bring on those clients and, I guess, sell to them? We do a fair amount of networking and that's not proved to be massively successful because you tend to meet with, I laugh at the the expression really, I suppose, but micro businesses, so, you know, this, which seems to be this in, in vogue phase at the moment for kind of anything under doing under about sort of, you know, half a million quid with 10 people, which really to me is quite a presentable little business, really. But we're dealing with more kind of multi-million pound companies, and that's really where our, where our expertise come in. How do we pick those up? A lot of that now is by reputation. So we've started to push a little bit harder with our marketing and with our brand awareness and stuff like that, exhibitions and so on and so on. But we've got, you know, guys that are you know, pretty much constantly out on the road and they're talking to people and, and encouraging people. Yes, I mean, virtually, you know, 99 times out of 100, we get into a pitch process at some point with most of our clients. We invariably don't get into a pitch process if the client is an incumbent. So we will be asked to present a proposal for a particular piece of work that they want to do, a particular project, a review or whatever. And we produce that type of information. Now, if you speak to most of our customers, the chances are they won't drift away because the customer service here is absolutely top notch and we will bend over backwards not so much to get the work but to keep the work so once we've got it the help and assistance that we give to even clients that we don't have on a support contract or a retainer or anything like that and some of the smaller ones you know they just do it on an ad hoc basis but nine times out of ten you know if they find us oh, you know, i can't remember how to do this or i can't remember how to do that we just help them through that little stage and it's and it's 
10, 15 minutes maybe out of our lives that just makes their life so much easier. And that's why they will keep coming back because they know that, you know, we'll deliver a project. It's on budget, on time. You know, if, they, if there's going to be anything which changes, you know, they're given a good heads up before we bill they're given a cost in front you know there's, so there's no back-end dirty dealing you know invoicing you know just suddenly slapping another five grand on the bill for you know apparently no reason and we've got i mean we've just done five new sites for our very first client that we picked up 21 years ago and he's still with us so i think that speaks volumes really in in terms of you know of course you have to be proficient and you have to be able to do the job and produce it well and for the right money but it's the aftercare, I think, is is absolutely critical. Now, and a lot of people, obviously, you know, where they're using these smaller agencies, you know, the, the, or freelancers at night, they just can't supply the customer service, you know, because they're either doing their day jobs or, they, you know, they're away all weekend with their family and things just don't get done. And that's where the bad taste, I think, comes into in with a lot of people. You know, I mean, we're a reputable agency and we intend to stay that way. <laughs> You can find out more and reach out to both Steve and Raid at raid.net. That's R-A-D-E dot net. As usual, you can get all of these links and full show notes at happyporchradio.com. Thanks to both Steve Rook and Steve Matthew for sharing their stories with us. And even more thanks to you for listening. See you on the next episode of Happy Porch Radio. Happy Porch Radio.